Who Gets to Decide, a liberty-based podcast that brings a little piece of sanity to a confused society drowning in a culture of craziness. And here is your host, Seth Martin. All right, what's up, everybody? Hello and welcome to another episode of Who Gets to Decide. This is Seth Martin, your host. Thank you for joining me this evening. Glad you are here. And as always, happy you're listening. Well, the financial markets, I think, are starting to show some serious cracks. And I feel obligated to reward my listeners with a little bit of warning. Now, many of you don't know this about me, but I kind of am secretly interested in the financial markets and have done trading myself and things like that. But what I'm seeing now is pretty darn um, worrisome. Let's just put it that way. And so I thought we would kind of make this warning with the backdrop, the backdrop, excuse me, of um, a report by Robert Kiyosaki. Uh, Robert Kiyosaki is the rich dad, poor dad, um, uh, best-selling author. And a financial guy. I mean, he's a very smart financial guy. And um, he's got serious warnings too. But I'm just looking at I'm just looking at the market action, the uh, the actual price action. And I look primarily at the S and P 500. And I see a rally maybe the end of this uh, toward the end of this week into into Christmas, into the Christmas holiday. And then after that, I. I we could have a, like a serious sell-off, like bigger than what we had in 2009. So, you know, it's your money. You got to do what you got to do with your own money. But uh, I am seeing some very uh, disturbing signs. And we're going to talk a little bit about one of them today. And I don't know if I'm going to have time to play the clip, but, uh, you know, one of the things that's happening uh, over in the UK is they're having major trouble with their pension funds. Now there's a lot of government, we have a lot of government employees here, but the UK, you got to remember they have uh, nationalized healthcare. They've got a lot of people on the government payroll over there. And a lot of people sitting around collecting money from their, from their government in, in the form of pensions. And these pension funds are in serious trouble and pension funds, Oddly enough, all over the world are in serious trouble, including here in the United States. Uh, CalPERS, uh, which is the uh, California Employees Pension Fund, is is um, is one of those. Chicago uh, is one of those. The Illinois and Chicago have uh, way underfunded pensions uh, with obligations that are just out of sight, and and then just in general, we have a lot of debt. There's a lot of global debt. There's a lot of debt in the United States. Um, the standard of living is going down, so people's ability to uh, service that debt is diminishing. And it looks like, and the way the market is, the, the market always, it takes the stairs up and the elevator down is the saying. So 
it, it's really sitting on the edge of, of something pretty serious here. And we could uh, probably have a rally, um, I don't know, maybe 150, 200 points from here on the S&P 500, back up to, let's say, 3,900 or so, uh, maybe 3,950. And then who knows? I mean, I think the bottom could just easily fall right out of this market. So look, I want you to be careful, but it's your money. You do what you want to with it. But uh, don't, whatever you do, don't sit around and wait until you lose, you know, 70, 80% of your money before you decide to do something. You know, take action, be decisive. All right. So I want to play this Robert Kiyosaki um, uh, YouTube video, although we're not going to have video, and then comment on the various sections that he's talking about. People are talking about inflation. I think we're in depression right now. And we're going to be a biggest depression in world history because you can't, the Fed can't not keep printing money and hope it stays afloat because the shadow banking system, or called the euro dollar system, is a thousand times bigger than the Fed. So we're going down either way, whatever's going to happen. I hope I'm wrong. We're going to go bankrupt. There'll probably be a new conference like the Louvre Accord or the Smithsonian Accord, and they're going to rewrite the rules of the game again. They're going to say, okay, the U.S. dollar at your toes, you know, IMF's going to jump in, Japan's, China's going to jump in. But meanwhile, you and I, if you're holding dollars, you might be in serious, serious trouble. It's, it's not just the debt. What, what happens when you have asset inflation like we have is people borrow against those assets. And what happens when, when the assets lose value, which they invariably do during a uh, during a depression. Uh, and I think he's right. I think we're, I think we're in the transition right now between inflation and deflation. And it's going to become very apparent over the next six months or so that inflation is not the problem. It, it, it has been the problem, but once, once bankruptcies start to trip and really start to roll out, um, what happens is all that money that uh, it's kind of a complicated way to think about things, but when you have an asset out there and you're paying on it or you're borrowing against it, there's a stream of money that flows through the banking system as a result of that, of, of that leverage. And once that starts to collapse, it, it can go very, very quickly. And, that's what Robert Kiyosaki's talking about. There's, there's too many uh, obligations built on top of way, way, way overinflated assets. And once the underlying assets start to lose value, then the debt just comes crumbling down. And you have banks failing, you have businesses failing, you have just tremendous failures that just ripple through the economy and cause massive uh, deflation and uh, ultimately a depression. And uh, this is a very dangerous situation. This is, this is the danger of being in the asset inflation game uh, or the bubble creation game, which the Fed and other central banks around the globe have been engaged in. And 
the good news, if you, I mean, if you want to try to find a silver lining in there somewhere, is there is a coming back to reality, so to speak. And I've been talking a little bit about this for a while. I mean, but there's going to be massive job loss. There, there are people that are doing jobs that are just not real jobs. They're not production type jobs. You have to produce in the economy. You have to produce something of value that somebody is willing to pay for voluntarily. That's how a market works. And we have people employed in all kinds of different areas of the economy that, that really produce no value for anybody. And all this has to unwind. And when it does, it's going to be very, very damaging. The dominoes are falling. This is retirement fund giant CalPERS. I think it's the biggest pension fund in America is going broke. Now, that means firefighters, school teachers, public servants, they're all toast. They're all like my poor dad. They're gonna find out the government screwed them. They trusted their pension would be there and it's gonna go bust. The biggest bust in the history of the world is coming up, it's pensions. It's a big, big market because they're into everything. They're into all the buildings and reeds and uh, bonds and all this stuff. Pensions are everywhere. So this is the most important program. If you are a baby boomer or if you have parents who are baby boomers, watch this program. In the trading world, uh, we talk about pension funds and, and big money. And this is big money. Uh, this, this is where the big money is. It's in pension funds. It's in uh, treasuries. The biggest bubble in the entire history of man is in the U.S. Treasury market. And guess what pensions are largely invested in? U.S. Treasuries. So we're going to see a massive, and he's right, there, there, there are people that think, there are people right now living on pensions, and they're living large. Some of these people are living better than you could ever live on a 401k developed in the private sector. Um, there are city managed, I've, I've, I've read all kinds of incidental argument, uh, articles over the years. There was a city manager that retired like 15 years ago in California. And what they do is they, they work overtime. You know, they work, they work really hard for three years because the rules are like, they'll take your average salary over three years. And that's what they pay you for the rest of your life. So what happened is these workers will work really hard and book a bunch of overtime, over like a three-year period, and then make a million dollars a year for the rest of their lives. And so some people are living like this. They're living at, at the expense of the rest of us, and the pensions are woefully underfunded. And, um, and he's right. They're, these people are going to wake up one day and realize their government stole from them. More accurately, their, their co-workers stole from them because they got to draw from the money first. And that's the way this game works. It's like musical chairs. And when the music stops, you know, very, very few people are sitting in chairs. My concern is it is the end of the American empire. And very simply is, is because our Federal Reserve Bank, our treasury, and our government has messed up the US dollar so much that they have to find a way to keep people happy. And so they want to just, quote unquote, print money, which they are doing. So just remember this, that money comes from production. And when we pay people not to produce, we're just paying them not to revolt. You know, and that's what happened during the Roman times. And what happened at the end of the Roman Empire 
the leaders of Rome debased the currency. They were taking silver coins and gold coins, they were filing them and melting them and doing all these goofy things. They were fighting wars, you know, we're still fighting wars, and they started taxing the worker. And back in Roman times, the worker was the farmer or the yeoman. And so I, that's why I say it's the end of the American empire, because our money is corrupt. Now, would I take the money? Absolutely. You know, we're talking about, don't fight the government, don't fight the Fed, don't fight politics. You know, if they're gonna give me a thousand bucks, I'll take it, but I would convert it into either gold, silver, or Bitcoin. My favorite part in this segment is when he says money comes from production. That's right. That's why it doesn't matter how much money is in the economy. It's, all that really matters is what is being produced, how much is being produced, and is that production increasing over time? Because whatever the production is, it can be divided by whatever money exists. And, you know, this is why back in the Roman times, he said, they used to do what they called clip coins. They would clip the edges off the coin. So they'd have a round coin and they'd turn it into an octagon, let's say, and they'd clip the edges off the coin and then melt those edges down into new coins. And this was a way to debase the currency. But it's even worse than that for us because we don't have coins. We don't have real money. So it's even easier for the government to debase the currency. And boy, have they ever done that. Something like 40% of all the money the U.S. government has ever created was created during the pandemic. And this is, this is why central planning is such a bad idea. I mean, look at all the bad things that happened during the pandemic. We got bad information. People got vaccinated, quote-unquote, with a shot that was completely experimental. Now thousands, maybe millions of people have died. We don't know how many. Exactly. We know birth rates are way down. We know um, sperm counts are way down. Um, we, we know all kinds, there's all kinds of negative externalities that have come out of this pandemic. Well, who can you lay that, lay that at the feet of? The government took con- complete control over the whole society. They just, they just stood up and said, I'm in charge and you must listen to me. And anybody that doesn't listen to me or argues with me is a criminal, is is engaging in disinformation, and is dangerous to their fellow citizens. I mean, this is this is what we we live through. Now, yes, it was bad during the pandemic, but this what Kiyosaki is talking about has been going on for decades. Uh, it's been going on in hyperdrive since August of 1971 when Richard Nixon temporarily closed the gold exchange window, which completely uh, disconnected the U.S. dollar from gold and silver. And and this led to uh, just an enormous growth of government, an enormous growth of debt, and, uh, and we're basically all that, all that inflation that's taken place over the think about what a car like a car cost in 1971 a car a brand new car costs like $3000 today a brand new car in the same class of car 
costs $70,000. All that inflation has to be worked away. <laughs> we're going to have I'm not saying we're going to go back to $3,000 cars, but we we could go to $15,000 cars pretty easily. Um I mean it's going to have to find it's going to be like water, you know, water kind of seeks its own level. That's what's going to happen to the money. Enough of it has to be destroyed to where value can accurate, accurately be um, uh, searched out and discovered by the market. It's, it's what we call in trading, we call that price discovery. And this is the process that the global economy, not just the U.S., but the global economy is going to have to go through. And it's going to be a shit show. I mean, I can just promise you it is. And it feels like it's going to happen sooner rather than later. I used to think I might not even live long enough to see this, but I think now it's unraveling at a fairly high rate of speed. And I think you need, uh, I well, let's put it this way. If I were you, I would exercise extreme caution. I cannot control um, Biden, but I can control me. I didn't think it was going to get this bad. You know, so it's got a lot worse than I imagined. So is it going to get worse? Possibly. But I'm preparing for it, not, you know, hiding in a bunker, if you know what I mean. We can counter communism taught in schools by teaching capitalism in our homes. And see, that's where I learned about capitalism. I learned about capitalism at home, not at school. I learned communism at school. But the media is now completely, as you know, on the dark side. I am fighting for capitalism because capitalism is about freedom. You can be a communist if you want, but don't take my freedom away. I think it's interesting that he talks about learning about communism at school and uh, learning about capitalism at home. Now, what I would say is that uh, free markets are about freedom. Capitalism is a is a particular type of a free market. Um, capitalism is really just simply mixing one's labor with some capital equipment to become more productive. Uh, that's what capitalism is. So you make capital investments uh, in, in machinery, plant and equipment is what they call it, uh, to increase the productivity of your human labor force. Makes sense, right? Um, capitalism gets a bad rap because we have so much cronyism in America. But cronyism is not capitalism. Cronyism is going to the government and saying, hey, I'll help you get reelected if you help clear the, the way for me and my business over here. Uh, I'm going to create this business. You know, we're getting too much regulation over here. Let's say it's the rental car business. I'm getting too much rental, uh, you know, regulation in my rental car business. You know, I'll help you get elected if you can knock down some of these regulations for me. That's, that's cronyism. Now, I'm not advocating for regulation. I'm just saying uh, it could be just the opposite. It could be there's no regulation, and that person that works for a rental car company is advocating for regulation. So it could be the other way around. The point is you're using government to intervene into the free market, and that's what cronyism is. It's not what capitalism is. I talk about gold, silver, Bitcoin, not because I'm a gold, silver, Bitcoin fan. I just don't trust the Fed, the Treasury, and Wall Street. I buy stuff that's outside their system. They just printed $10 trillion to prevent the economy from collapsing. Yeah, I don't either. 
Um, look, you know, we talk about this all the time on this program that, that the dollar is dishonest money. Why? Why is the dollar dishonest money? Because it, it's used in the economy to buy resources from the market, but it can be produced from nothing. So what's honest about a free market is you trade production for production. I produce something and then I, I get money or I get something for that production. And then I take that and I trade it for something else that I want, something that somebody else produced that I want. That's production for production. That's how a free market works. The government produces money, okay? In and of itself, they produce that money from nothing. So they don't give any production. They just create the money. And then they use that created money to, to take resources, to demand resources from the economy, from you, from me, from others in the economy. And so this is stealing, okay? <laughs> Plain and simple. When he says he doesn't trust uh, the government or the Treasury or the Fed, what he's basically saying is he doesn't trust thieves. The government is a, is a pack of thieves, uh, especially when it comes to monetarism. And I, I think what he said earlier is just brilliant, that, that money is production. Or money, money is created through production. Not through the actual printing of the money, but through producing of goods and services. What's happening is Jay Powell of the Fed is trying to push the yield curve up. But as most of you know, the real yield curve is a euro dollar curve. It's not the Fed curve. And the euro dollar curve went inverted. Now, every time that has happened, tragedy follows. And it's not just the euro dollar curve. It's, it's the yen dollar curve. I mean, the, the spread between the two-year yield on the yen and the two-year yield on the U.S. Treasury is like 4.5%. It's more than 4.5% now. I mean, that is tremendously inverted. And this causes major financial problems in the global economy. But it's all, it, it's all happening because these governments created money out of thin air. And then they use that money to demand resources from their economies and other economies, not just their own economies, but from global economies. And this has caused uh, major, um, major price discrepancies. In other words, it's really hard to discover value right now in the economy. And when that happens, you basically get kind of a seizing up of markets. When people are you know unsure about the future or, the, or about the price of something, they go, they, they just stop. They don't buy. And that's the same for individuals as it is for companies. And this is going to have a dramatic effect on everything, not, not just financial assets, but uh, financial assets that'll, that'll ripple through the real economy 
and it's going to be it's going to be pretty devastating, I think. Now, it's good news for some people, but horrible news for the boomers who are starting to retire. So if you're a stock market person and you're counting on the stock market to keep you alive, let's say you're 65 years old and you're going to live to 85, you might be in serious trouble. The whole mythology around everybody can retire at 65 has always been just that, a mythology. This, this, this all stems from the production of money. And again, it's like musical chairs. Um, if you or if you're in your retirement years and the music stops, man, guess what? No more social security, no more Medicare. I mean, if you're a young person, you know, get ready for your parents to move in with you, uh, especially if they don't own their property. Um, because it, it's going to be very, very difficult to service debt, uh, in an environment where incomes are going down and, um, the, the value, the real value of everything is being, uh, is being, uh, there's, there's like a, a seesaw effect. Okay. High, low, high, low, until it gets to a place where everybody agrees on that value. So yeah, if you're a, a baby boomer, I agree with him. It's going to be very, very difficult. Um, you better just strap in and get ready to work until you die. I mean, that's, that's, that's mostly what's in people's future, not retirement. But my point here is this, you've got to be aware. There's no answer, just pay attention. And the reason I recommend gold, silver, Bitcoin is because I trust Bitcoin more than I trust Biden. I don't trust the dollar. You can understand that. I don't trust the treasury and I don't trust Biden. And we cannot control the outside that well, but we can control this inside my own brain. Yeah, the way I described it to my wife when she asked me about this, she said, well, so what do we do, you know? And I said, well, you know, we don't know just yet. It's like a it's like a chess match. You know, the government makes a move, and then you make a move, and then the government makes a move, and then you make a move. But certainly, uh, all this is much easier if you have some sort of form of real money. That is, when, and real money could be anything. He mentions Bitcoin, uh, silver, and gold. Uh, the reason those are real money is because they can't be created out of thin air. If you're going to go produce a bunch of gold, you have to dig up ton, millions of tons of dirt just to get a couple of ounces of gold. I mean, there are real production processes involved in producing gold. But yeah, there's a, you know, you need to use your brain, but you, you know, you, it's probably not a bad idea to get your hands on some real money whether that's silver, gold, or Bitcoin. Um, me personally, I'm looking for Bitcoin to go down even further, and I'll probably be trying to buy Bitcoin at that time because I think one day Bitcoin's going to be a million bucks a coin or something. The reason stocks are better than real estate, okay, let's say I buy Amazon or Apple. Let's say it's 100 bucks. If it goes down, I can exit that fast. It's called liquidity. The true real estate is not liquid. So if you buy at the height of a market, you're the skipper of the Titanic. You're going to go down with it because you can't get out. So that's the word is called liquidity. It's financial literacy. What does liquidity mean? Well, how fast can you exit? Yeah, you know, as a small investor, um, you have a huge advantage in something like the stock market. 
um, you can have $5 million worth of SPY, which is the exchange traded fund that trades like the S&P 500. And you could hit the sell button and the market would suck all that SPY up in two seconds. That's how liquid the market is. But if you had $5 million worth of real estate, uh, it, it might take you months to sell that. And you might be selling in a falling market. Um, and, and you might be selling in a rising interest rate environment where people don't have any money and can't buy. So <laughs> he's right. I mean, the liquidity is, is a big deal. And it's one of the biggest advantages people, uh, individuals have as retail investors is liquidity and uh, in market nimbleness, if you will. Like if you, if you uh, let's say two weeks from now, the market starts to crater, you can go in and hit the sell button. You know, now you don't want to wait till you're at the bottom to hit the sell button, but, uh, but you can get out and, and, and get yourself in cash and not ride, you know, not take the Titanic down to the bottom of the Atlantic Ocean. And what I say to Americans is that America was formed as a tax-free nation. It wasn't 1619 or whatever they say, 1610. America was founded in 1773 at the Boston Tea Party. They kicked all, they said, we're not going to pay taxes. And I've, I'm still a patriot because I still don't pay taxes because I use debt. And that takes a lot of study. And that's what I study. Is how do the rich really get rich using mm -hmm. debt and paying no tax? Do you think Trump pays taxes? Of course not. I use 100% debt. Because every time I borrow money, money is created. And so because I use debt, the government gives me tax breaks. If you can understand that, every time I borrow $30 million for a piece of property in Austin, Texas, they give me tax breaks because I'm using debt. And that's why this financial statement is crucial. So when I sit down with the banker and I show them I got all these properties, I have no dings against them. They're cash flowing. They'll give me more money. We spent a fair amount of time on this program talking about how the rich get richer. And he's exactly right. What they do is they leverage the banking system. Um, if I if I borrow, well, first of all, you have to have some starting point, okay? Your first million or something like that. But then once you get uh, something like that, your first million, uh, and you own assets, let's say you own a million dollars worth of assets, you can borrow against that million dollars worth of assets to buy other assets that cash flow, that, that earn money. This is what he's talking about. And, and because he buys real estate, he gets to write off um, uh, the interest on the purchase of the real estate. And maybe he negotiates uh, tax abatements with the local governments. I, I'm not sure exactly. He doesn't go into any detail. But the point is, he can borrow money. He, 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 can, he can borrow money just on his signature against those assets. And that, that money that he borrows is not income. Now, he has to pay it back, but this is on paper. That money is not earned income. It's just money he borrowed from the bank. <laughs> and so this is, uh, this, is, uh, this is the way it works if you're rich. And, and everybody can get rich, uh, but not everybody has the discipline. You know, people, 
that that's the big human nature thing, right? I mean, people have wants and needs and desires. And so if you look at someone like Warren Buffett, he literally didn't spend any money for years, for like 30 years. And he just socked it all away and he got a nest egg. And then once he had a nest egg, he started leveraging the banking system. That's how you get very, very, very rich. And in a, in a, in a falling interest rate environment where the dollar is losing value over time, it makes a lot of sense to do that because you're going to pay back that money in the future with money that buys less in the economy. In other words, the, the dollar loses value over time. So the money you pay back in the future, it, it's not worth as much. So it makes a lot of sense. It's just a way of shorting the dollar, basically. But uh, this is how all rich people get rich. The problem is, and he alluded to it earlier, and he knows this. He Let's say he owns $200 million worth of assets. And there's some realignment in asset values. Well, those that $200 million worth of assets might go to $20 million. In other words, he might those might get readjusted to $20 million once the the actual value of those properties is settles somewhere. Um, he can't push the button and jump out of those $200 million worth of properties um, just by hitting the sell button. doesn't work that way. So what you're going to see uh, as this process unfolds is you're going to see net worths just collapse. These people that are worth $200 billion like Jeff Bezos or... Um, uh, Elon Musk, their their net worths are going to go to you know fifteen twenty billion dollars. Now that's still a lot of money, okay? But they're not going to have these mega you know amounts of net worth. It's the same thing happened in nineteen twenty nine. the The wealth gap was very very wide between the haves and the have nots, and it all got wiped out. And it's only because you know, the people that owned all those assets, they couldn't hit the sell button. They just had to hold the assets and let the values drop. That's all they could do. Now, they still owned everything, uh, but they owned them at a lot less uh, a lot less value. And some of them that were too extended uh, went bankrupt and lost a lot of that uh, net worth. Just remember this, gold and silver are God's money, but the devil distributed it to countries that hate us. And Bitcoin is people's money, and you can't make any more Bitcoin. So as screwed up as the economy is getting, because we're run by incompetent Federal Reserve and PhDs like my poor dad, it's really a good time if you can look in other directions and uh, buy some gold, silver, and Bitcoin. People's money.